So in order to get myself out of retail sales, I had a great job. The only thing I really didn't like about it was we worked Christmas Eve, we worked New Year's Eve, we worked most all of the Sundays. We got off at 10 p.m. sometimes. Like I made good money, but I didn't have any control over my schedule. Um, and I decided to buy a house to flip. I, I knew the amount of money that I would need to set aside to go real estate full time. Um, whatever that was, I didn't know what it was going to be. If it was going to be investing full time, selling, I went ahead and got my license while I was still working. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, I've got Landon Stone on the show, and today's going to be a little bit different because Landon, we're going to be shooting from the heart here today in a way that we don't get to do on every single episode. Landon has started a foundation from something that's really important for him in regards to real estate, which is helping people get freed up so they can handle the difficulties of life. And Landon and I actually share some difficulty, but I'm not going to give it to you right away. But guys, you think you want to tune into the very end because not only are we going to talk about how we get through difficult times in life, but we're also going to talk about how you can build a business, a real estate business in particular, that allows you to live life freely so that you can deal with life's difficulties and grow and have huge impact. So Landon, thank you so much for being on the show today and take us into right away, like what is kind of the reason that you're doing real estate and putting all this together? Yeah, well, I am excited to get to share, but really what got me into real estate is I was a retail store manager through college and I want, I was going to college. I wanted to get into law school, maybe be an attorney and uh, I sold suits for a living. And what I realized were a few things. I was there for several years. Um, I had attorneys as clientele. And I didn't really like them, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And they seemed to always be the most stressed out. And I wanted to be an attorney because of the money. And I quickly realized like that may be true, but it was a different type of trade-off. However, I had these other clientele that were the best. They usually spent more money, but they were always more positive. They handled issues much better. And those were real estate professionals. Take me into the handling of issues. Give me some examples of this. Like with real estate, I mean, not with real, with real estate, it happens all the time, but with the clothing, like we did in-house tailoring, sometimes it wasn't quite right. Sometimes the order didn't come in on time. Sometimes the, the tailoring was a little bit delayed and there was just usually a little bit more forgiveness and understanding. As an agent now, I totally understand the, the connected empathy there. Um, but to me, it was just like, these people seem to treat me a little bit better. They also valued the relationship a little bit better. Um, and so as I started determining, I didn't want to be an attorney because of the kind of just that career path that I understood it to be is you're going to put in a ton of work and you're going to have to work your way up from the bottom. Um, and so I decided I wanted to get into real estate and uh, we bought our first house in 2016, about that same time. If I can, if I can pause this right here, I, I obviously want to yeah. come back to this. But I think you dropped some really interesting nuggets that I want to expand a little bit. I mean, you're talking about real estate agents and investors being a lot more gracious and forgiving. 
do you feel like it's just the type of people that get into real estate are more gracious and forgiving? There's less stress in the job? Or is it that because they deal with crazy problems, these problems seem small? I think successful real estate agents, ones that would be shopping at this particular type of store, um, well, I say that just to indicate that they probably were successful. Successful real estate agents are good communicators and great problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And when you deal with the issues that you do in real estate, you know, a delay on a new sport coat or the pants not quite fitting that well, like it's not as big of a deal, but I think it's just their experience kind of, it does have similarities in a mirror in that instance. How many times a day do we bring bad news to a client and like, there's nothing we can do about it other than handle how the news is delivered. Um, and then like they receive the good and the bad and like good people are aware of that, I guess. Well, I love your insight. I mean, how old are you at this point? Like early twenties, 19, like when you're observing this? Um, 21, 22. I got into real estate when I was 23. Yeah. Yeah. About 23, maybe 24. So you're analyzing or the people that are coming into the store and you're like, okay, well, I mean, I want to be an attorney, but I don't, I don't like these people. So I'm not, I don't like the life. So like, I think it's just, a, obviously it's a very wise thing to, to be able to really stop yourself from a lot of college, a lot of debt by just being around the type of people. And it sounded like you had foresight, like you went and worked in the clothes shop, right. To be around these people. Is that true? To be around the people, but also just for the discount on the clothes. Um, yeah, I had yeah. a I had a really good friend that worked there and I had wanted to work there because I knew that this type of clothing was going to be necessary if I was going to be an attorney. And so I, I also figured I would meet people. We were in a college town and I didn't know anybody. So what better than to put myself in a position to sell to the type of people that I'd want to, that I need to know later on in life. Yeah. Well, I just think this is a great life lesson. Like, I mean, a lot of people have to spend a lot of years in college to figure out they don't want to do something. All right. Landon's word of advice, just go work in a store that serves those people. You might be <laughs> able to figure it out, save yourself some money. All right. So take us back in. So you're getting into real estate. You're 23 years old. Yeah. So in order to get myself out of retail sales, I had a great job. The only thing I really didn't like about it was we worked Christmas Eve. We worked New Year's Eve. We worked most all of the Sundays. We got off at 10 p.m. Sometimes like I made good money, but I didn't have any control over my schedule. Um, and I decided to buy a house to flip. I, I knew the amount of money that I would need to set aside to go real estate full time. Um, whatever that was, I didn't know what it was going to be. If it was going to be investing full time selling, I went ahead and got my license while I was still working. Um, but I set a goal. I needed to have this amount and I found flipping a house was the easiest way to build up that lump sum of money so that I could go several months with no pay and focus on building up a real estate business. And that's what I did. I was hoping to get the flip done while still working. Um, but I did all of the work myself with some help from family and that just wasn't possible. So I really bought in and I quit my job. I worked 
full-time, basically 12, 13 hour days, seven days a week for several months on this house. And then we sold it. Um, and then I took that and did what I planned to do. And it, I just, I chose real estate sales just because that flipping process for putting all my chips in one basket at, to do that. I ended up on the better side of it, but I didn't want to do it again and end up on the losing side of it. So I decided to just put that money aside and go into sales where I wasn't going to be investing as much money all at once. Yeah. So you kind of had the inverse experience of what a lot of people do, right? A lot of people go in in agency first. And then once they hit the investing side, it's like they're running a million miles an hour. You got exposed to it right away, experienced the risk and was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not wanting to take this risk right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, like what really got me into real estate was I learned a lot. Um, and I wanted to do real estate brokerage in a way that could really help teach people and advise people to build wealth in real estate. I really, what I wanted to do was help people do what I had just done. I realized that there was a problem with the lifestyle that I was living and I wanted to change it. And I figured real estate was a really good and very quick avenue to completely turn my life to head to a different direction. And the brokerage sales put me in a position to help other people that had those kind of same goals. I want to flip a house or I want to buy rental properties. And to this day, that's the majority of our clientele. And so you knew your avatar from a very early, I mean, it wasn't like, Hey, I want to make as much money as possible. It's like, Hey, I have a very specific purpose, uh, purpose and person I want to serve. Like, was that just automatically there or was there a process to develop that avatar? Um, no, I knew that I wanted to help people be real estate investors. Um, but in the beginning of the sales, I just needed to sell real estate and I would work yeah. with whoever. What I learned, like I learned selling clothes, was there was a particular type of client I got along with really well. There was a particular type of client that usually valued my time a little bit better. And it, it's not a blanket um, inference on it, but I loved working with real estate agent. I mean, real estate investors that would give me a box and I'd go find something that fit that box. And then boom, there's a sale. Like I could do something about it as opposed to wait for the, someone to fall in love with a house. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of had that avatar, but those first like year, two years in selling real estate, I was working with for sale by owners, open house, lead, any internet leads, anyone that I could meet because I was new to this area. And you have a foundation that you started particularly to help people you know, create financial freedom because some of the, some of the challenges that you have in your life, like where in the journey did the foundation idea come and when did that get started? Yeah. So our business's whole mission is to help people create financial freedom through business partnerships and real estate. Um, but we also have this personal mission that we created through our foundation, the Braley Rose Foundation. And it's like, its mission is to help families that aren't quite in that position um, be able to not have to make a decision between putting food on the table or being there with family in the event that they need to, whether that's health issues or anything like that. 
for us two and a half years ago about now um we were supposed to have twins they were both going to be little baby girls and we lost one um the second one lillian who's perfectly healthy and amazing today was born two months early and we knew it was going to be a difficult pregnancy from the start however both myself and um, my wife were in real estate so we were able to take time at home we ended up having to check into the hospital a month or two before we were going to deliver um, so Lillian could be monitored then she was in NICU for two months after that and all that mattered to us was spending time with her we had already lost one we didn't know um, how much time we would have with Lillian and so that was all that mattered Real estate had put me in a position to be able to do that. Financially, that wasn't anything that bothered me. And it really allowed me to truly be present. For a lot of people, even when they're physically present, if they're financially stressed, they're not there. Their mind is on the bills, not on whatever is truly more important. Um, but I met a dad on the elevator one day in the NICU and it, it just really hit me hard with how grateful that I was and how blessed I was to be in a position that I was. And we were kind of talking, we both had um, kids in NICU. He had a little boy and um, I had Lillian and he was like, you know, um, I can't remember. He asked me something about if I was going back and forth to the hospital or if I was staying there overnight and he was like, you know, I've got a boss. And he said, I could take all the time I need. However, he couldn't pay me for that time to be away from work. He's like, so I've got to go to work because I have to make a decision on whether or not to be here with, for my kid when I don't know if he's going to get to go home or I got to go make sure that he has a home to go to. Hmm. Um, and like, I, that, that kills me. Um, thinking back even two and a half years. And so we started the Braley Rose Foundation really to be in a position that if I were to ever meet someone like that again or knew someone that was in a position like that, we would be able to assist. Whether that's help pay that rent, cover the salary, um, but really help just people become present. The benefits that financial freedom give you in those instances like that, that's really the purpose of, of that foundation. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week we have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. 
As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And is the, the main purpose or the, I guess, the methodology of the foundation to supply people that are in that situation with financial resources? Is it uh, like a preventative thing where we're, you're trying to educate as many people as possible to prevent that situation from happening? What's kind of the main aim of the foundation? You know, for the foundation itself, it's really that financial assistance mm-hmm. aspect. I would love to be able to put it in a position to actually be able to provide the education and some of that other stuff as well. Um, We do a really good job with that on the business side through our investment consultations, through the financial advising that we do with our agent partners and that sort of thing. Um, But the foundation is really there to to be able to provide financial assistance if, if there's a need and we can. And is this a very local thing? Is this a national thing? What's, what's, I mean, what, where is it now and where do you see it in the future? So we live in North Carolina, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point area. Right now it's local. Um, it's really small. Um, we, we started it the second it became, it, it hit our hearts. Um, and, Ideally, we want to get to a point where we can help people outside of our area. Um, but right now, it, we're, we're really just in a position that if we have someone that we care about or a client of ours has someone that they care about or anything like that, like be in a position. The location doesn't really matter. I would say it's more people that know myself, my team, or my family know, know about it. We don't do any sort of marketing or anything like that. So after the show, if you want to provide a link or some way that they can connect, then we'll put it in the show notes. So I love your heart for this. And obviously, you know, because we talked about a pre-call, our stories have a lot of similarities. And so like I, I empathize and gosh, I mean, it makes me like very appreciative of you because I'm like, this is something I could do in my area, right? Like I, I have the same, some of the same, same struggles and the same stories. So like super kudos to you, man, for taking action on that. Like, I'm really excited to see how that grows. And so tell me like, so at that point, your real estate business had gotten off the ground enough to where you and your wife had the freedom, right? Which is exactly what this podcast is all about. Where does your life and business take you from there? Like, did you guys have like a long grieving process? Like what happened? Um, we really just hit the ground running, to be honest. Um, yeah. We spent a long time away. We did a lot of our grieving while we were in the hospital mm. with Lillian. Yeah. Um, and then when we brought her home, it was just all about taking care of her. And a part of that was me going back to work. Caitlin actually stepped into our team as we did mm. that. Caitlin's my wife to help with operations and transaction management and stuff as we continued to grow as a team. Um, towards the end of that year, we did some restructuring with our team. We moved brokerages. We did some rebranding. We partnered with um, Place. And uh, it really put us even more in a position to still be growth-minded, but not be doing it all. And then we st- we also started adding in contracting services. 
so you guys went full speed ahead, right? And maybe the foundation's playing a role, right? And like, we need to grow this, not just for the sake of our own incomes, right? But now for the sake of this growing foundation, how much of the vertical integrations was, hey, all of our clients have this need, we want to fill it. And how much of it was like set out as a goal? Um, a lot of the vertical integration was more about a combination of a need and an opportunity, and then also just providing a solution that's easier and better for the client. Um, so we really want to be able to provide a service that gives somebody anything having to do with real estate, just all in one place. Um, and so even early on in my career, you know, I knew how to do stuff. And so I'd have a, I, I remember an older lady seller that was selling a rental property and she needed the bathroom painted and she was really struggling to find a painter and no painters that I knew uh, would do this tiny little bathroom. And I was like, you know what? It'd take me half an afternoon. I'll do it for 300 bucks. You just bring me the paint. And it, it really just started there, like doing little things for clients that I realized, um, you know, I could take this relationship deeper by just providing that service. It's also an additional stream of income, but then I close the gap between that handoff, creating a bad reputation for myself um, and something that I couldn't control. And that started to snowball into, I had some investor clients that were actively buying up multifamily and they would ask, well, what do you think it would cost to renovate to get ready for um, rent? And I would be like, you know, I, what I know is I could do it for X. And so we, I started to see like people would really like it. I struggled in the beginning with this idea of having everything in one, in one place, like oh yeah, the clients and, and some people say liability, but what I started to realize is people loved it. And for oh, me, yeah. it gave me a lot more security that if I say, if you're going to buy an apartment building, because I said, it's going to take $15,000 a unit to paint and replace the floors and stuff like that. And then you buy it and a contractor won't give it to you at that price. Like there's nothing I can do about it unless I am the contractor and I know exactly how much it's going to cost. It just makes it easier. And then I don't have to spend all of the time gathering the quotes for them and all of that stuff too. So it was kind of like a necessity, but it was also built on opportunity. Um, we've been, I've been a general contractor since 2018. We have done all sorts of different types of things, DDRA or due diligence request inspection punch lists. We've helped sellers get ready for market. We have helped sellers get ready for market and then hold the costs for them until closing. I, I tell the sellers that makes them the investor and me the contractor and lender. Right. Um, exactly. So we're always looking at the end of the day, it really starts with kind of the why behind what they're doing and what they're doing and then just providing an easy solution. This is so awesome. Like I vertically, vertically integrated into the lending arm because I, I mean, I have no contractor skills whatsoever, but like what a cool thing. And like, I think this is, a really important thing for people like don't go start a business that's like way over in left field, just vertically integrate. Because like you said, it's not just even additional revenue, which is a nice part, but you get control over more and more pieces of the puzzle to create a seamless experience. I mean, because like at the end of the day, like, would you agree with this statement that 
most of what most clients want is just ease, right? They just want to know it's taken care of. It's just done. They're not thinking about it. Yeah. A hundred percent convenience. Um, some people care about having the right price. And I believe that you can have both in a lot of instances, the right price isn't always the lowest price, but yeah. we do strive to not charge a premium for the convenience. If any, yeah, you're really just trying to find a fair price. That. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have no marketing costs on our construction company. We have le a lot less overhead. We only work with clients. It makes it super easy. So we already have the relationship. We know them. We know their preferences. We know their goals. When I go in and I do a rental upfit, I know the budget is $40,000 and we need to get the rent up to $1,300. We need to do whatever it takes within that those confines to make that happen. It's less about all of the time with the designing and all of this stuff. And it gives me the freedom to make changes on the go for the owner if something comes up. Still well, protecting the, those budgets. And the brilliance of what you're doing is you're now launching property management. And your main focus as an agent is investors. And so essentially, when you're helping this investor client buy a property, all the departments are in up to speed way ahead of time because it's like the contractors know exactly what they're going to be doing and the property management knows the plan and it's all just this harmonious thing that's happening. How much crossover is there in each business? Obviously you're in each business, but how many employees run in, in each of these different businesses? So within our property management, that's just getting started. We're going to have a pro full-time property manager, but it's also a part of our opportunity model with our sales agents. In North Carolina, um, I just learned this because I'm in North Carolina. I'm not in any of the other states, but some states have property manager licenses. North Carolina does not. So um, we want to provide an opportunity for our real estate sales agents to help us grow this property management. It's all about the relationship for me. And a big reason like what I want to do with these vertical integrations is increase the value of each relationship. Like it's great when we can make $10,000 every seven years off of a, a client and that's if they keep coming back, but it's even better if you can residually make a couple dollars a month as we take care of their house, their maintenance, their management of their investments, all of these things. And it's also really cool for retention from a business standpoint of a real estate agent isn't gonna have that type of opportunity. So it's very integrated. However, we still wanna keep our sales agents focused on sales, not the actual management of the property, not the actual management of construction projects, but we have this opportunity to really take the relationship from the beginning all the way through. That could be someone wanting a roof and then you helping them replace the roof and then finding out that they might want to sell or they're an investor and want to buy more properties. And this was a rental property that the roof had gone bad because the, pro the property manager hadn't been checking on it. Like it just creates all of these opportunities for the agent to go, you know, we can help you with anything if it has to do with real estate. And I mean, we can help you not hand you off to somebody else. And this creates opportunities forward and back. I mean, obviously it's very sensical that you're running marketing to get clients on the real estate agents and then you're doing these other things. But like you said, I mean, it also works backwards and in the middle. And so every piece of this drives business for all other pieces. 
Yeah, one of my best sales last year was a a, a, a custom bathroom remodel we did three years ago. We had just become friends and we were their go-to. Like they called us anytime they had any questions about what to do to the house to increase value. Because when I met them, they were like, we're doing this because we want to, but we may sell in five or 10 years. And so we were able to create this relationship of, hey, if you ever want any renovations, let me know. If you want to do any upgrades to the house, let me know. I'll, I'll get you a price even if you don't use me, but then we'll also discuss what that could have to do with the value of your home. And so really just helping people be conscious investors, even inside their own primary residences. And so we ended up talking very regularly. So four years later, when it came time to sell, like we were the only option on their minds. Love this. So you don't have to answer this question because this is kind of getting into the personal elements of the business here. If we looked at the market for your services, the pricing that is on a scale of one to 10, one being like, you are the cheapest of the cheap as far as price goes and 10 being like, you are the, you know, the contractor of the century pricing. Where do you price that business? How do you price your agent services? So uh, like, I think I can speak more to each business. Our sales yeah. business is, it's a sales business. Um, so it's entirely commission-based. We do do some other type of things for additional fees on the sales, like complete concierge services, holding mm. the costs and stuff. On the contracting side, though, I would say we're right in the middle of the road. We're not the cheapest because we are a general contracting firm. The cheapest would be going onto Facebook and finding the guy that's posting for work. Yeah, um, without a license. and Yeah, there's lots of problematic things to do with it. Usually right. if you're going to go to Facebook, take whatever price they're advertising and triple it because that's how many different people you'll have to hire. Um, but like we are not, um, we're not the highest for sure. We have been outbid less times than I can put on one hand. Wow. Like this is really cool. So when you think about growing your business, do the marketing dollars to put people into your funnel generally go to the sales side or do they go equally to the businesses? So we're a prospecting based business. We don't do a whole lot of marketing. And if we're doing marketing, it's around activities that we're actually doing. And what I mean by that is we market our listings. We market our open houses. We run ads around the products that we have to sell, not the services that we have to offer. And the agent, we have particular what we call lead gen levers that our sales agents work to generate business. It's calling people you know, it's holding open houses, it's picking something niche that you would like to also work with and work with me to refine. That could be social media, that could be farming, whatever. And then we also have internet leads and listing leads and call-in leads and team-based leads that come in but it's almost all a byproduct of the activities that we have going on. They're inquiries on our listings or our lists or something like that. We don't do any brand marketing right now. We, we just haven't needed it. Yeah. Incredible. Landon, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business, talking about your foundation, some of the you know more vulnerable parts, but I love the vertical integration you've done and I love your heart to help people. Um, so Again, we'll have some some ways to get a hold of you in the, the show notes. 
But guys, if you're listening out there, write down something you learned. Maybe it's something like, maybe you're in a position right now where if a, if a calamity or a tragedy hits you right now, maybe you're not in a place where you could actually take a couple months off and do what you need to do. Maybe think about that and what, what steps could you put in place? Or maybe it's this vertical integration. How can you vertically integrate businesses to stack revenue without having to add additional marketing costs? So much in here. Write it down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom's acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 